You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, folks. Hallelujah. Well, I have an unusual message for it to be this close to Christmas. I'm going to be talking about the rapture of the church. Amen. Rapture. Also called the, the, the departure or the catching away. The church is here for a reason. And it will leave for a reason. Amen. There's a reason behind you leaving. I'm going to tell you what that is. Anybody want to know what that is? Yes. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. The reason I'm preaching on the uh, <coughs> raptures of the church because that's where I am in the Bible. Amen. <laughs> For those of you who are not aware of this, we've been walking through the Bible one verse at a time. One book at a time, trying to find the most important book or verse or passage in each book of the Bible. We started in Genesis, and we are now at milepost 52. There are 66 mileposts in this study. 66 books of the Bible. We're calling it Route 66. We've taken the exit a few times. Slowed down, you know, we got off the highway. And really dug in deep. We're going to do that again today in these two books. We're going to talk about 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. These are two of the first three books that Paul wrote. I believe he wrote Galatians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians in the same year, 49 or 50. These first writings are these. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Paul wanted you to know this in your early Christianity. The church knew about the rapture. Early on in their teaching. It's not a late coming teaching. It's an early teaching of the church. Here we find the most important verses in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. Listen to this. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Caught up together. Everybody say caught up together with them in the clouds and meet to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The rapture of the church is a fact of New Testament doctrine. Also called the catching away or the departure. It is foundational. Here's why so many people do not, do not understand the message of the Bible is because they don't get this down in early in the doctrine. That the church is here for a short time. Church is here for a definite period of time that had a start and will have an end. It has a beginning and an end. I'm going to prove that to you from other scriptures today. If you don't get this in your early doctrine, you get, you get messed up about who you think the church is. You think the church is Israel if you don't get this down in your, in your, in your teaching right. You think the church replaces Israel. Nothing can be farther, further from, from the truth than that. 
The church is not Israel. You're still Gentiles. How many of you had bacon this week? How many of you had catfish this week? How many of you had ham this week? A bunch of Gentile dogs. You're not Jews, you're Gentiles. We're not Gentiles in our hearts now, and our hearts are spirit, man. It's just like Jesus, the greatest Jew of all Jews. But in our, in our natural state, we're Gentiles. We always have been, always will be. But like a great running horse that called War Emblem. They had a Triple Crown winner in 1948. What was his name? Citation, I think. They didn't have another one for 25 years until 1973 when the great secretariat came along. Then in the 70s was a banner decade for Triple Crown. They had, in 77, they had another one called Seattle Slough. In the very next year, in 78, they had affirmed three of them in the 70s, starting with Secretariat. Then, then we had another dry spot. No, no, no Triple Crown winners, no great horses. All good horses, but no great horses. But a great, great one came along in 2002 by the name of War Emblem. He was amazing. He was awesome, except... He won the first race, won the second race, the third race. The third race, he had a little problem. He didn't even come in in the top three. He didn't even win, place, or show. You know why? Because he stumbled at the start. His nose touched the dirt at the beginning of the race. He stumbled at the start. And it ruined his whole race. Ruined his whole legacy. This horse was going to win the Triple Crown. Everybody knew he was. He was great. But he stumbled at the start. If you stumble at the start, it messes up your ending. Yeah. You stumble at the start, it messes up your ending. That's why Paul put the, what's going to happen at the end at the front of his teaching. Are you hearing me? Everybody hear me today? I know I sound funny, but I'm not really funny. I just look funny, sound funny. I guess that makes you funny. I'm coming out of a serious illness. Glory to God. But I'm coming out. I'm not going in. I'm coming out. Amen. Amen. War emblem stumbled at the start. And it messed up his end. The beginning makes a difference in how your end turns out. There have been many instances of catching away events throughout the Bible. Many times. This is not a rare thing to think about. That God would take the church away. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Genesis 5:24. Genesis 5:24. I'm going to prove to you that, that rapture is a common occurrence in the Bible. Fairly common. Well, I wouldn't say common, but not unheard of. Let's say it that way. Not unheard of. Genesis 5:22-24. I mean, Genesis 5:24. It says, "And Enoch, Enoch." Walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. It says in Hebrews 11:5, talking about that story, by faith Enoch was translated, translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. That means that God and Enoch were walking one day. They're walking off into the high places. There's conversation got so good. You've been with God like that, haven't you? 
You ever been with the Lord when you're so sweet to be in His presence, just you and Him? And you feel like you can just float, float away? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And it got in the, up into the foothills and He went on up into the high mountains, up to the mountaintops. Next thing you know, He's walking through the troposphere and the stratosphere and through the ozone layer. And He's out there into the thermosphere and the exosphere and out and out of space. Walking with God gets so high. Let's stop for a minute and the Lord looks around and says, You know, Enoch, we're closer to my house from here than we are back to your house. Why don't you just come go with me? Amen. <laughs> and God took him that day because he pleased the Lord. That's one. Let's look at the guy named Elijah. Second Kings chapter 2. Giving you instances of raptures, catchings away. Second Kings chapter two and verse nine is it's a lengthy story, so stay with me. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Now listen to me. You cannot give twice what you don't have. The double portion was the firstborn blessing. He said, I just want to be your heir. So whatever your anointing meets out, meets, deals out to the heirs you have, I want the twice portion, the double portion. Be upon me. Verse 10, he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing, nevertheless. If thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. Everybody say, Elisha saw it. Elisha saw it. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And took hold of his own clothes and rent them, tore them into two pieces. And took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. Elisha saw this event take place. Saw Elijah taken out of his sight into heaven. You know what he did? He started talking about it. He went and told everybody he could find about it. He told him, he told him that's how we found out about it right here. Elisha told people. He preached this rapture. Here's how we know he preached it. 2 Kings chapter 2, 23. If you're, if you're, if you're squeamish today, if you, have a, if you have a light stomach, you don't want to hear this story. This is a rough, rough story to hear. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. And he went up from thence into Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city and mocked him. How did they mock the prophet? Listen to what they say. And said unto him, Go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. Why would they shout to him to go up? Because he talked about a guy who went up. He's the only one that ever saw Elijah fly away. No doubt he'd been preaching this, that, that Elijah flew away. He went up. The kids heard their parents making fun of this message. They came out and mocked him, saying, Go up, bald head, go up. They see you fly. 
If men, if men can fly, let's see you fly away. Mocking him, look what happened. And he turned back and looked on them and cursed them. Oh, well, the prophets were bad back then. In the name of the Lord, and there came forth two she-bears out of the woods, and tear forty and two children of them. Ate their kids. Because it did not rapture preaching. They paid, a, they paid a horrific price, these people did, for mocking the preaching of the rapture, for mocking the preaching of the kitchen way, for mocking the preaching of the departure. I've heard that kind of preaching done. I've heard that kind of mocking done of those who, of, of us who believe in the rapture. I've heard people mock it. Have you? Yeah. I've heard them mock it. It's devastating to your family. It'll be devastating to those generations after you because it's a foundational, foundational thing, foundational doctrine of the church. Then the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Do we believe that Jesus was called away? How many of you believe that Jesus rose from the, de the, the, rose from the dead? What was the next big event? He was caught away, ascended. Nothing but a rapture. That's all it was. The ascension of the, of the church is going to be very like that. Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. Look at here. You're going to like this. Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. This is Christmas time, and we're talking about, we're talking about what we give and receive in, in gifts. Christmas ought to be about Jesus getting his gifts. The rapture is when he gets his gift. Rapture is when we give Jesus what he deserves. What does he want? He doesn't want your money. He wants you. Yes, right. Amen. Amen. The only reason he wants your money is so, he, you, so somebody can help win more people to be a part of his prize. Acts chapter, nine and verse, Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which was taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Why do so many people question the rapture of the church? And they don't question the ascension of Jesus. You hear me? So Jesus was raptured. What does this mean for the Christian? Well, let's take our Bible again. We're doing Bible study today. It's okay to study the Bible in church. We study the Bible in this church. We, we refuse to follow our preacher. The preacher will lead you away unless he's reading you from the Bible. 1 Corinthians 15, 12. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. Hope you're getting something out of this. I'm, I'm liking it myself. I'm, a, I'm one of my best, my favorite preachers. I'm one of my favorites. I think it used to be the favorite, favorite of this church until they heard Brandon a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> my son. It was good. He's a machine, isn't he? You can, get, you can get the CD. Alan, can you make up CDs of Brandon's? Already gone? Need, oh, need to, okay. All right, good. 
1 Corinthians 15, 12 says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the, of the dead? If there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? Hear what he's saying? If the dead are not going to rise, then it didn't happen to him. He's not saying if it didn't happen to him, it's not going to happen to us. He's saying if it didn't, it's not going to happen to us. The predicator is whether or not it's going to happen to us. If you say you don't believe in, in our resurrection, you can't say you believe in his resurrection. Because Jesus did all that he did for us. Okay? He did nothing for himself. He did everything he did for us. So if we're not going to rise, then you're saying you don't believe he rose. That's good, that's good right there, right there, right there. Verse 14, And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found to be false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so, be that the dead rise not. Jesus did not rise if we're not going to rise. Hear Paul's logic here. You are the predicator. If it's not going to happen to you, then it didn't happen to him. If it is going to happen to you, then you can say it did happen to him. All right, let's take this a little further. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised? Verse 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain and you're yet in your sins. That's how important this doctrine is. That's how important this doctrine is, y'all. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. You see, Jesus wants you with him. That's why he did what he did. You were the joy set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He did not do that so he could be set at the right hand of the throne of God. He was already there before he came. He was already there before he came. He looked at you, saw you, the possibility of you being with Him forever. Amen. He wants you with Him. He does not want you here struggling on the earth to only. He wants you with Him. Amen. A woman invited some people over for dinner one time. She was new in the church. She invited people over, tried to impress them. She got to think about, well, then they'll know I'm a good housewife by how I cook here. But they won't know I'm a good mother. So she looked at the little girl and she said, Now, honey, got them all around the table. All these people came and they got them all around the table. She looked at her, her little five year old and she said, Baby, I want you to ask the blessing. I want you to pray. She said, Mommy, I don't know what to pray. She said, Just pray what you've heard Mommy say. <laughs> so they bowed their heads and the little girl said, Lord, why did I invite all these people over here today? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus wants you with him. You hear some preachers preaching that think Jesus is trying to keep people out of heaven. He's not trying to keep anybody out of heaven. He wants you all with him in glory. He wants you all with him in glory. Not trying to keep anybody out. We just lost, we just lost one of our strongest members. Gay feats, mama feats. We lost her here, but they gained her in heaven. Right. Amen. I believe there's little kids running around up there right now that were aborted, got to heaven too soon. They said, Look here, 
Look, here's one coming. On earth they called her Mama Feeds. I'm going over to her house for cookies and milk. Don't you know they're running over there right now? Running to Mama Feeds. Because Jesus wants you with Him. You can be assured that when you go to, when you go to that grave, you're not going to be there. You're going to be with Him. And listen to this. We're talking about the rapture though. My post 53 we finish this teaching. I'm going to tell you when the rapture will occur. I'm going to tell you exactly when it's going to happen. Anybody want to know my opinion? Anybody want to know my opinion when it's going to happen? I can tell you exactly when it's going to happen. The very moment. Put it on your calendar when it's going to happen. I'm going to tell you today when it's going to happen. I know exactly when it's going to be. We're going to read about it right here. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6. 6, 7, and 8. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Talking about the Antichrist. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now lets or resists, that the word should have been re rendered, resisteth, will resist until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, the word let is kateko. Kateko, it means in all kinds of forms. It means to retain, to seize upon, to withhold. This, this one who's been removed from the earth cannot be the Holy Spirit because God promised that he would never do that to us. He would never take his spirit from us. Then who is it that's going to, that is resisting the, the, the rise of Antichrist? Who is it? He cannot be revealed until, until this person, this, this one, is taken out of the way. He cannot be re revealed in the earth until this resistor is taken out of the way. You, you might tell yourself it's the Holy Spirit, but He lives in, the, in, in, in us. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. God would be the worst covenant breaker in the world if He took, if he took His Spirit and left us here. He promised that would never happen. I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the, the Lord is my helper. Okay, you hearing me? So it must be that the church will be taken out. Yeah. And then the man of sin will be re revealed. And what the Re book of Re Re Revelation calls the uh, be beginning of the tribulation. Look at John 14. John 14, 16 says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another the Comforter, that he may abide with you. How long? John 14, 16 says, That he may abide with you. How long? Forever. Is he going to take the Holy Spirit from us? No. Never. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because he seeth, it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells in you, and shall be in you, dwells with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The restraining force then must be the church. The restraining force of Antichrist is the church. I won't take time to, to do all this, but I'll just tell you. In Genesis chapter 18, 
as a great judgment falls on Sodom and Gomorrah. Jesus talks about this in Luke 17. Let's take our Bibles and turn down to see what Jesus says about Lot being escaped from Sodom and Gomorrah. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat and drink. They, were, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. No antichrist at all. No, no pressure, no, no nothing happening. Just normal Christian life. If you read the entire chapter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that's what you see. Us living the normal Christian life and then the last trumpet blows. Not the last trumpet of Revelation, the last trumpet you hear. Which is the first trumpet of Revelation. It's the last trumpet for you. But the same day, he says, that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the, in the day when the Son of Man is re revealed. So when the rapture takes place, then judgment comes upon the earth. When? When's this going to happen? I'm going to ask that question now. I got, a, I got a message for you today. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Miss Ann, my own time today. Take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 11, verse 13. Romans eleven thirteen. Romans eleven thirteen says, For I speak to you Gentiles, and as much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office, Paul says. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them, the Jews, be the reconciling of the world, what shall be the receiving of them but life from the dead? Now skip down to verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. That's exactly when the rapture is going to take place. The very moment the fullness of the Gentiles become in. It's not a date. You can't put it on your calendar. It's when God says he has enough. When God's family is big enough for him to live forever. Satisfied that he's redeemed enough of mankind off the earth. He'll say, enough. He'll turn to Jesus and say, go finish this. And Jesus will rise up in the day of the Lord. This is following the, the, the tribulation. Seven years after the rapture of the church. Jesus will rise up off that. Rise up off that throne. What's the name of that throne? Anybody know the name of the throne of God? What? The mercy seat. He sits in mercy today. That's why he doesn't kill all the bad people. That's why he doesn't kill people today. He's seated in mercy today. But when God the Father looks at him and says, Go finish this, he stands up. He's no longer seated in mercy. He's standing in judgment. He will bring fire and brimstone, rain, rain hell, fire down upon mankind and, and, and planet Earth like the world has never seen. It's called the day of the, the, day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. 
That's seven years after the rapture of the church. You won't be here. You're like Lot. You get to escape it. Why? Why? Why did Lot escape it? Why did Lot escape? Because Abraham prayed for him. You got somebody better than Abraham praying for you. You have Jesus advocating for you right now in glory. If God saved Lot for Abraham's sake, He's going to save you for Jesus' sake. He's saving you for Jesus' sake. Glory to God. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this word. That we can know exactly when the rapture will take place. When you decide. When you say, I have enough. Lord, let us be those that are reaching the lost. Reaching the lost today. To bring them into the kingdom. Maybe one of us would get to lead the last person to Jesus. I want to be leading the last person to Jesus. When I hear that trumpet blow. Who knows it could happen this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for these gathered here. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed just for a moment, I need to ask you. Are you ready for the rapture? How do you get ready for the rapture of the church? It could happen any, any moment. Nothing has to happen. Everything that has happened, that needs to happen, has happened in Bible prophecy for the rapture to take place today. You can know Christ today. You can know Him as your personal Savior. Because Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And He was buried. And He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Just like the Bible says. If you believe this message, you are saved today. Believing from the heart that Christ died for you, was buried for you, rose again for you. We, we, in this church, we, we believe in the signs and wonders and miracles. We believe in the power of God to heal. We experience many healings in this place. The biggest miracle is that miracle of transformation of the heart. It starts with being born again with the Spirit of God.